it's kind of funny sometimes. We had we were loaded on on the WebEx, so that's good. Had a bunch of people on there. We're gonna have some more added on Wednesday. I spoke to a, another friend of mine, and I think him and his wife are gonna be on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know what? When we go around, we're among people, or people, you know, we have some fellowship with people, different ways or whatever. Uh, you know what I wind up doing? We get some conversation. I tell them, hey, we have a WebEx. You can join us on that, you know, even if you can't make it on the, and a lot of them are starting to do it. That's a pretty good thing. But I always try to mention something. I say, hey, join us. Come join us. It's not a bad deal. Be comfortable. Sit in your living room and listen to the word of the Lord. That'll be good. Uh, I was thinking about something. Uh, I've been reading through um, several books of the Bible. And several of you are doing that too. Um, but isn't it great that when you start going through again, you start picking up things that you never realized before? You know, you start reading and you see all of a sudden something else comes up. Uh, and you say, gosh, I never thought about it that way before. Or maybe that, you know, it, it didn't hit me that way before, you know. Uh, but that's, that's happening to all of us. We're getting more understanding in the things of God. And, uh, and God is, uh, what's the term I want to use? He's provoking us through the scriptures to, you know, want to know more about those things. If we run into something that we question or something that we need to get a better understanding on, it, it just turns out to be just a great thing. So um, I was uh, doing some reading, and I believe that uh, a thought came to my mind. Let me read this to you because this is kind of cool. I'm in the sixth chapter of St. John, and... Uh, Listen to this. I'm just going to read it to you here. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Great miracles he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. It was pretty close to being there. But here's the part I like. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. These people were following him, you know, multitudes. This is the, his year of, uh, you know, Jesus had three years, year of initiation where people were just kind of following him. Then his fame went out. That second year, man, he's just, wow, tons of people coming to him, miracles being done. Third year is the year when he, he comes to the point where uh, there's so much opposition to him that they plan to murder him. You know, you just about figure out what's going on during those three years. This is still during that, the second part where he's still coming to people, performing miracles, talking to multitudes. And uh, it's such a great thing. He is spreading the gospel. The kingdom of God is being preached. Repentance, like the young man sang about, is being talked about to people to repent, change their thought, change their lifestyles, whatever. Then this is verse 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, very specifically to Philip, look at what he asked him. Whence shall we buy bread that they may eat? Now this is a huge, thousands of people. And he turns to Philip and says, hey, we're going to get some bread so they can eat. And so this is just to show you what he's doing. And he saith unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him. 
This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> he knew what he was going to do. Uh, Jesus was always aware of himself, you know, of what he was supposed to do. He knew who he was. He knew he was the Christ. He knew he was the Messiah. He was the Savior of the world. He knew what he had come for. But here he's kind of proven Philip. And you notice Philip is kind of like this guy. He's always doing stuff. He's, remember that one time he, he told Jesus, he said, hey, Jesus, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. You remember that's Philip again. And uh, Jesus said, Philip, if I've been so long with you, then you're still asking me who the Father is? And then he tells him, he said, if you see me, you see the Father. You know, so that's very powerful. But Philip, once again, now he's proven him. Uh, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may just take a little bite. Even if they did buy enough, everybody would only be able to get a little bite, you know, to feed this number of people. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now that, that's the next thing that's said. Make them all sit down. Okay? And the number was about 5,000. They sat in groups, you know, so they make them all sit down. And uh, so the men sat down, and the number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He gave thanks to the Father. He distributed to the disciples. Now, notice how he did this. He distributed to the disciples first and then told them to distribute to the people. He's doing something with them. He's trying to show them something. So he distributed to the disciples, and his disciples distributed to the people. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered uh, them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. This is why Jesus did miracles, to, to, to get things in people's minds, you know, like that. this is what has been uh, prophesied to you. I am he. These miracles cannot happen unless I am present. I'm showing you, and then you shall do the same things. You shall do the same thing. That's why he's proving Philip this time. You know, he's saying, hey, Philip, uh, where are we going to get the bread to feed all these people? And, you know, he asked him that question specifically, but the thing was, within himself, he knew what he was going to do. But this was going to be something to, to gather the disciples together in belief. The other thing is, we always think that Jesus came for all, just everybody in the world to, you know, come to him during the time he was walking. And really, he came for the 12. Because it's just like he did now, he gave to the 12, and the 12 did the distribution. That's how it's going to be with the word, too. That's how it was. He came first, he got, got them in as disciples, as followers, and proved them, and then sent them out after the receiving of the Holy Ghost to do everything that was going to be done. Um, Paul kept the same thing up. Um, he, he baptized very few people, but at the same time, he allowed the others that followed with him to carry them on. You know, He makes a point of saying, I didn't baptize very many. Uh, Jesus baptized none except his disciples, remember? Uh, he didn't go about baptizing like John did. 
So it, it's kind of an amazing thing when you see the system that God is using. Dan spoke to us in length a few years back about this government that, that God has. The government in the earth, the governments in the heaven, so forth, how God allows this government to work. And it works by the Spirit. It's not a government like what we have now, like in the United States or whatever. It works by the Spirit of God. There are hierarchies in it. There are certain things that, that God puts in the hands of certain ones to bring forth teaching and understanding to those that are, are below, so to speak. And then they in turn do it with others, so forth. This is a thing that we're doing. Uh, this is God's plan to get things out to people. But the thing that came to me is that in talking and thinking to myself, can I be proven like, like Philip? Can I be proven? You know, it, can, can I have a belief in Christ that nothing seems impossible to me? Now, you notice that they went straight to, to a physical, almost physical thought about what was going to have to be done. You know, they, they say, well, even if we bought 200 penny worth and did this, and they're all going through all these things, how are we going to, you know, uh, feed such a great multitude? Now, you go back through the scriptures and the gospels, you'll find out lots of times when these multitudes followed Jesus, what did it say that he had on them? Anybody remember? He'd see the people follow him all day while he was teaching. He had compassion on them. He would have compassion on them that they're following, you know, they've been with me all day. And, and he would say something to the pack that, you know, they haven't eaten. They followed me. They stayed with my word while I talked, you know, and so forth. And he was moved with compassion on them. So there's several instances in the word where you find out he feeds thousands of people at a time. Uh, his disciples told him this. They said, hey, master, to, let's, let's cut off short. Give them enough time to go home and they can go home and eat. They actually told him that one time. I said, yeah, you know, just said, let's, you know, I know you've been talking. They're trying to tell him how to rein in the time so that he can let the people go home and eat. Jesus said, no, nope. still much he had to say to them, make them sit down in companies and, and we're going to feed him. Well, we don't have anything, you know. And they said, well, they'd use what they had. He didn't go and get some filet mignon for everybody. He used exactly what they had. They had bread and they had fishes. You know, that's what he did. And he took that and multiplied it. Multiplied it to the point there were 12 baskets of fragments left over. They said that none would be lost. Now, remember, this is the food he's feeding them. Think about this. You think maybe the word is like that? It's, you know, the same bread and the fishes and so forth. The word's like that. It, it, you get over and above what you actually need. There's always an opportunity to gain some more word. And he didn't want the fragments to be lost because all of them mean something to him. Same way with the word. Think about it. He doesn't want any of it to be lost. He wants it to be used. Okay. Now, you don't see anywhere where they take those things and distribute it to other people outside of where they were at or anything. But the point was made that there was an abundance and that could take up 12 baskets afterwards. But this thing about proving, he said he said this to prove. Do you think Jesus ever does that to us? The things that we hear in the word of God, can we have enough faith to believe that he's proving us? He's proven us to believe that, yes, he can do these things. You know, we walk around sometimes in life and we think, gosh, this is so hard about certain things. We don't know whether Jesus could do this for us or not. That's a wrong thought. Remember, nothing's impossible with him. He can do it. It's a matter of whether or not you're willing to be proven. You know, he's going to prove you. Every disciple that followed Jesus had to be proven in some way. Now, um, I always like to say this, too. You remember the, the special things that Jesus used to do with certain ones? Um, 
uh, I like to think of it even in our own body here. I think of, uh, you know, Dan, Gary, and Brian a lot. But who did Jesus take with him a lot in, for these special things that he did? Peter, James, and John. Isn't that true? Uh, and the, the ones he took with him, what was their occupation before he met them? No. Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen. They were fishermen. Remember, they named uh, James and John, what? The sons of? Anybody remember? The sons of Boanerges. Have you ever read that? It means sons of thunder. That's what it means. And so that's James and John. And then who was Peter and Andrew, his brother? They fished with his father, didn't they? And, and, but when Jesus came along the shoreline that time, he said, drop your nets. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Those four men were great fishermen. They had, and they seemed to be prominent in the church. The three really did. Peter, James, and John. Who did he take on the Mount of Transfiguration? Those three, Peter, James, and John. Who did he take into the room to raise up the girl that had died? Remember, he put the girl's parents in the room, himself, and Peter, James, and John. Left everybody else out and then told her, damsel, arise. He took Peter, James, and John. This is how it was. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Peter became the chief apostle, John the Revelator, that leaned on Jesus' bosom. And if you read the book of John, you see that John is the one that goes into Jesus' deity more than anybody else, that he is God. There's more stuff in John about his deity than any other book, any other gospel. So he, and remember, this is the person that leaned on his breast. You know, they used to say, tell John, hey, ask him this, ask him that. Peter asked John one time, uh, even at that last supper, uh, Jesus said, whoever I give the sop to, he's the one that's going to betray me, you know. And as John is leaning on Jesus' bosom, Peter says to him, hey, ask him who it is. Ask him who it is that's going to do that, you know. And he, Jesus, that's what prompted him to say, yeah, the one I give the sop to. But the, the disciples were dull of understanding at that time because when he took that sop and gave it to Judas, you know what the Scripture says they thought? Oh, he thought they would just tell him to go out so he can do something for the poor or get supplies or do this or whatever. They never put two and two together when he said, the one that I give the sop to. They just thought he sent Judas out on a special duty. You know, here's another thing. You go back and read that, and he says, right, they said, now is the Son of Man betrayed. Now is this basically prophecy is going to be fulfilled. For this purpose came I into the world. He says all of that after Judas leaves. What does he tell Judas? Whatever you do quickly, and he's gone. Satan entered into him. That's what it says. And he went to betray him. So Jesus said, now my hour has come. And he started groaning within himself. And they were trying to figure out what was going on. But he said, no, the Son of Man, now he's been betrayed. And now this is what I came for, to go through this crucifixion, basically. So he kind of groaned within himself. But there's another thing that you can read. You know what he caused them to do before they left to go out to the garden? They all sang a song. Go back and read it. They all sang a song together. And then they left. Sometimes we don't think these songs mean very much. Jesus did it. He sang with his disciples, sang a song. This is after Judas is gone. He, Jesus is not partaking in the song. They sing a song together, then they go out to the garden. Isn't that neat? So it's a very powerful thing. You go back and look at the story, you pick up details. You pick up things that are being done, you know. 
And this turns out later to be the very thing that Paul and the rest of them say in the word, even about the, how the songs admonish you. Because I wonder, why did Jesus sing that song with them? It makes a point of saying they sang a song and then they left and went out to the garden. That's pretty cool, huh? And when they got there, he went and prayed. Remember, he went a few paces off. But didn't he take those three with him again? First, he had all the disciples. Some of them fell asleep. Then he took Peter, James, and John a little bit further with him. And then he went a little bit further from them and prayed. And then he came back. He looked at them. What were they doing? Sleeping. And he said, could you not watch me but, you know, at least one hour, you know? Then he goes back and he prays again. He comes back again. They're still asleep, aren't they? And then the third time he does it, he says this, sleep on, because now everything started. Now this is where I'm, I'm going to be captured. I'm going to be taken before Pilate, all of these things. Everything's supposed to happen now. He said, I'm sleep on, because you know what? The things that are supposed to happen, they're going to happen. And this is, you're going to be the witness of these things, you know? So such a powerful thing. So the thing is about can you be proving? Do you realize that God is proving us right now whether or not we're going to be his disciples? Whether or not we're going to be the disciples that God is calling on. You know, he, he tests our faith. And he, he told Philip, he said, you know, hey, uh, how are we going to feed him? How are we going to feed him? It, it reminds me of Rick a lot. What if I was to tell you? <laughs> uh, what, if, what is this? I'm going to make a statement here and say, what do you think? I'm, let me ask you a question. How many times did he say that? Let me ask you a question. What is he doing? He's provoking you. He's proving you about the things he just said to you. Let me ask you a question. Things that have been mentioned over and over again. I love that. He did exactly the same thing. So we're being proven all the time. Dan does it a lot too. He'll ask you questions. He'll, and, and what it is, they want to see where you're at. They're proving you. And this is where we need to be honest. Sometimes we try to say things a different way because we're talking to the elder. Don't say it a different way. Say it just the way it is in your mind, how you think, how you believe. Because eventually it's going to come around where they're going to figure out that you didn't quite put the full thing forth anyway. You know, just tell them the truth. The truth is the best thing. Even if it puts you in a bad light, the truth is the, is the best thing. Because if you are in a bad light, you know what they're going to do? What did the guy sing about? Repentance, didn't he? They're going to get you to a place where you'll repent of that thing and then you will become better. You have been proven through all of that. You see how it works? God's proven every one of us all the time. I want you to know this, people online. God is proving us. All the time he's proving us. He's provoking us to see if we believe in him. And he did that to his disciples too. And he said, wow. You know, and, and once they saw the miracle of the loaves, guess what? More people wanted to come to them. But what did it do to those disciples? It strengthened them. It said when those men saw the miracles that he did, his fame went out even more. He could hardly walk any place if there wasn't a multitude following him somewhere. And, and for some times he would say this, I got to get away from the multitude. And what would he do? He'd go alone to pray in the mountain just to get away from everybody. He was thronged by people. This is what uh, it said was going to happen. And even some of those people, if you read some of them, even Gentiles were coming and asking him certain things. They came to Peter one time and said, hey, go ask him, you know, this certain thing, whatever. And those were Gentiles that asked Peter to, to go in and talk to the Lord and ask him certain things. Shows already what God was going to do. Those Gentiles were going to come in. The scripture said in Isaiah that those that were in a dark place saw light. And, and that was that light. Did he go to Samaria? Yes, he went to Samaria. 
Jesus did go to Gentiles and tell them, your faith is going to help you to enter into this thing. You're going to be part of this by faith. Abraham will become your father because you believe. You know, he spoke a lot about Abraham. He told it to the Pharisees, didn't he? And uh, uh, <laughs> he told them one time, he said, before Abraham, see, they said, Abraham's our father. Abraham is our father. He said, yeah, well, if you had believed in Abraham, then you would believe in me because he spoke about me, said the same thing about Moses, what Moses said. We believe in Moses. If you believe in Moses, you should believe me then because Moses talked about me. What? And then he says, before Abraham was, I am. He said, ah, you're not even 50 years old yet. You're trying to tell us you're before Abraham? You're not thinking right. We do that, don't we? We jump to a conclusion. We don't think right. He's trying to make a point. And so they said, you're not even yet 50 years old. And you, you're before Abraham? And, and they forgot the very thing that they concentrated on. They always went to the Mosaic law. They always went to the Mosaic stories and all that stuff. And didn't it say in there when God spoke to Moses, tell him, I am that I am sent you when he went to Pharaoh. They should have put it together, huh? They should have put it together because that's what Jesus said. Told them the same thing. That should have connected with them. But their hearts were so hard. They weren't ready to be proven. They didn't want to be proven. They already had in their mind what they thought. That was it. Nothing else was going to change them. This is where we need to change. If we're going to be proved by God, we have to change what we think into what he gives us through his mind. Our mind has to change. We have to change and have the mind of Christ. And this is how he does it. He does it by proving and provoking us so that we can get his mind. Hey, think about this. Hey, what do you think about this? You know, what, what do you say, Philip? What do you say, Peter? What do you say? What, what is it that you're saying right now? Come on, what do you say? What do you believe about this? Well, Lord, I believe you're the son of the living God. Good. You see what I mean? And then the next step said, well, uh, Lord, we're not going to let you go and sacrifice yourself and be killed and whatever. And, and came and grabbed. The scripture says he grabbed hold of Jesus. He took hold of him. And said, nay, don't let it be, Lord. It's not going to be. We'll all be with you, whatever. Uh, everybody talks about what Peter did brashly. But uh, when he took his sword and, you know, cut off uh, the high priest's servant's ear, Malchus, I think the guy's name was, Jesus picked that ear back up, put it back on. Tell him, put your sword up. <laughs> now, there was a time for a sword, but now put it up. Because this is what I came for. You trying to protect me from this? No, this is what I'm here for. I am to be sacrificed. So was he proving them then? All the words he had told them before about how he was going to be betrayed and that, you know, he'd be crucified and all this. All of that, they just seemed to forget it. After it actually happened, it seemed like they forgot it again, didn't they? I go back fishing. I go by the two on the way to Emmaus. Have you heard about the things that happened in the last two days? Jesus standing right there with them. Have you heard about the things that happened in Jerusalem? Yeah, our Savior and so forth and all this stuff. And he said, but we don't know what's happened to him, what, you know, all of these things. It's just amazing. And he just continued to walk. It says he began at Moses, I think it was, and brought him all the way through the history as he spoke to them, as they walked along the way, beginning at Moses. And he was trying to get them to see who it was that was walking with him. But they were still, eyes were, it was still hidden to him. And he made like he was going to keep walking, you know, after they turned off to their house. He said, well, this is our home here. And he made like he was going to, he said, no, no, they constrained him. No, come on, come on, come and eat with us. But he made it act like he was going to keep going. 
They said, no, 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 we constrained him. Come on in and sit down with us. And they talked a little bit more, but then he took that bread and break it and gave thanks to the Father. And then what did it say happened to them? Their eyes were open. Oh my God, it's Jesus. And we didn't even recognize him. Isn't this powerful? And the way he used to give thanks and break the bread and always give homage to his Father, always for everything, that's what caught them. And then they recognized. And then they rejoiced, man. Ran back to where they said, yeah, we saw Jesus. You know, there's, Scripture says there's a time that Jesus appeared to Peter specifically. It's only mentioned in one or two places. But during that time, he actually appeared to Peter specifically. Doesn't even say what he says, but his appearance. What, what did they teach us about that? When we think about the appearing of Jesus. The appearing of Jesus to you, when you see Jesus, guess what's happening? You become a witness of his resurrection. And he appeared to Peter to let him know. And the scripture only says that, and he also appeared to Peter. You know, very cool. Him alone. And uh, that was a powerful thing. So Jesus confirmed what he did, what the Father sent him to do. He kept the commandment. The commandment from the Father was this. Lay your life down. But the commandment was take it up again. That was a commandment from the Father to take that life up again. And he did. Took it up again. So this is what we, he's still proving us, you know, can you believe that? Can you believe a man resurrected from the dead? Yes. Can you believe we can feed 5,000 with the word of God? Yes. You see what I mean? Do you believe that these things that we think are so impossible? One more thing. I'm not going to keep you long here. One more thing. That there were a group of people. He told his disciples there were some ships on the shore. He said, get in the ships, go across to the other side. You know, they crossed that sea of Tiberias. Go to the other side. And so, and Jesus was still where he was at. You know, in fact, he went up and prayed and so forth. But then some people, the multitudes that followed him, they got in ships and went across to the other side just to be around Jesus again. Multitudes, multitudes. And, and so when they saw Jesus there, they stopped for a second and said, wait a minute. Master, when did you come? Because you didn't go with your disciples. Here again, he's catching them again. Is he proving them? He said, we saw the disciples leave and go to the other side, and you were still over here. When did you come and be with your disciples? You know, he never answered that. He started talking about, well, when you see the Son of Man doing this and stuff like that, you know, and started talking about how they need to believe God and trust God. He just went into a message, never answered their question, but that was a miracle. And they realized that afterwards, when they saw him talking to the multitudes and stuff, they said, wait a minute, how did he get here? How did he, his disciples came? Well, he wasn't with them. He was back on the other side with us. But then they look around, they see Jesus with his disciples. They say, Hot Master, when did thou come here? <laughs> and then it hit him afterwards. Miracle. He made his way across and was with the disciples on the other side. And then it says when they realized the miracle of it. So, my last point I'm making here. Where are miracles done? In heaven, in the celestial realm. Miracles are done in the celestial realm. And he did many of them, didn't he? To prove himself to be the Christ. A lot of those things. So what's happening there? Is he proving us to the point where we can start seeing the kingdom of God? Because that's where the kingdom of God is. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is what we look at to get us to the kingdom of God. The things he did in the kingdom of heaven. He preached in it, preached repentance in it, all those things, walked among men, uh, healed them and so forth. 
But at the same time, when he was doing that, he was also manifesting the kingdom of God. When those miracles happen, that takes place in the celestial realm. And so this is something that Jesus is trying to show us, that this kingdom is being built up in us. Can you be proven and let that kingdom be built in you? That's what he's doing. He's trying to take us <coughs> to the kingdom of God. The very kingdom of God that's in heaven. He's trying to get us there. We have to get there in belief before we get there any other way. We have to believe that that's what it is. And this is why he proves us. Can you be proven to believe, to be a follower, to be a believer, to have faith? Can you be proven like that? Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? <laughs> Lord, even if we had 200 penny worth, we couldn't do it. Hmm. For he knew what he was going to do. That's what the scripture said. He knew what he was going to do. But he's just testing <coughs> Philip. Then Andrew comes up. Well, I found this lad with two fishers and five barley loaves. Make him sit down in companies. You see what it is? Make him sit down in companies. They say, what? What is this man? Do? Make him sit down in companies. And they did. And they said, now, come, come to me. I'm going to give it to you, and you take it from me, and you give it to them. That proved something to them. Was he proving them? All of them. All the disciples had to help. 5,000 men, they all had to help. And he just continually kept breaking the bread and the fishes, and there was an abundance of 12 baskets of fragments. Can you be proven? Can God do an overabundance for you too? Can he prove himself so well that you have an abundance of belief in God and trust and faith in God? Can you be proven? You know, can we believe to the point that nothing is impossible? For he knew within himself what he was going to do. <laughs> and he had to prove it to all of them that were there. 5,000 men got fed by Jesus and said, look at the miracle this man performed. And that wasn't the only time. Another time he did 4,000, I think. And I think there's one time they said something about 7,000 or something. Jesus did this several times. Several times. No big deal to him. For he knew what he was going to do. Isn't that cool? Uh, anybody got any questions for me about what I said? That, that stirred me when I, I went into that and started getting some of the details of it. This is Jesus being Jesus. This is Jesus being the Christ, man, fulfilling prophecy, doing all those things. So uh, that was such a good thing. I thought about it. I read over that thing many times. But man, just got, God gave me so much more about it. He knew what he was going to do. But you know what? After a while, we're going to know what we're going to do too because we're going to be sons of God. Those things that we face, nothing's going to be impossible to us. We'll just do them. Peter and John, like Gary spoke about in the third chapter of Acts, they went to the temple called Beautiful. The man that was lame there the whole time, he asked him for alms. You know, you got a little silver and gold, a little something you can give me to help me along my way. I'm a beggar here and now. I'm lame. I can't do anything. I have to beg for my existence. And they said, silver and gold have we none. They weren't rich. We don't have no silver and gold. But I tell you what we do have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Whew. That was worth a lot more than a bunch of little alms of gold and silver, wasn't it? That guy leapt in the temple, jumped, kept jumping. You think maybe he was a little happy? I think he was a little happy. I think the way he was leaping caught people's attention. That, that was powerful. And they said, silver and gold have we none. But such as we have, and that such as we have was what? Jesus. And they had been proven by him, so they knew it was going to work. He said, greater works than these shall ye do. 
day of Pentecost had come. They're doing it. They're exercising from that book of Acts what the scripture said they would do. That's powerful. Were they proven? Yeah, they were. I was going to say, we had talked about this uh, the other day, that when we pray prayers to God to receive something from him, we think a lot of times it's going to be instantaneously or next week it's going to happen. And you forget about that you that it's not in my time. It's God's timing this when it's when this whatever it is that you prayed is gonna to come to pass. And even though you prayed the prayer and you said, Oh, God is not gonna do this, God is still working in your behalf to bring that to pass. But there are other people involved in it. You have to wait until he get them set up and into the right spot for uh, when God comes that they're ready to receive it, just like the man that was leaping because they they right. healed him he he'd been waiting there a long time so it, it's not going to take uh overnight for some of these things that we have prayed to come to pass some of some things will you'll get a quicker return but god is the one that's going to do it not me his time so i have to trust and believe him that he's going to do it no matter when he does it but you will know when he does it because you're going to see it with your own eyes yeah that's powerful he does do it that way. You know what that goes back to? The thing we talked about, patience. You know, you just have to have patience on these things. We, we always want the instantaneous answer. Sometimes he may do that. You never know. It may be instant. Sometimes when people talk to people, sometimes their minds get changed instantly about something. If somebody pay, prays for them or talks to them about a certain thing, that's true. I've had that happen to me. I talked to somebody and their, main, their mindset about what they thought about changed instantly. But that's what you want, don't you? You want to change to the mind of Christ. You want them to be believers. So are we disciples? Can we be proven? Because the disciples were proven. You know, what is it he said? Uh, is it Luke 24, 47? Somewhere around that area there. But he said, uh, what we said, uh, I breathe on them and receive ye the... Do you know they received the Holy Ghost right then? But they didn't know the power of it. Now go to Jerusalem and wait and tarry till you be endued with power from on high. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. But what did he tell them before then? Receive the Holy Ghost. They did. Now they had to come to the believing and the knowledge of it. And they went on the day of Pentecost, and you know what happened. It fulfilled all of it, didn't it? But had he already spoken it? Yes. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Okay. Is he proving you? If they hadn't gone to Jerusalem... If they hadn't prayed, if they hadn't gone in that upper room, they wouldn't have received nothing. It had to be the way Jesus said it because he already pronounced it to them. Receive the Holy Ghost. Now go, he says. Now go to Jerusalem and tarry because it had to be fulfilled through the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after the Passover. That's what Pentecost means. 50 days after the Passover, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Wow. Isn't that cool? So that's what's on my mind. Hey, you guys doing okay today on the first day of the year? You guys online? Yep. Yes. God can do everything for you that you want him to do if you believe in him. You can be proven. 